0: happy ending nice and tidy it's a rule i learned in school get your money every friday happy endings This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's throw. I was of two minds today. I just thought, uh, oh, all night long, I listened to the radio. I haven't turned the radio off since nine eleven. But I, I was overwhelmed with this war on women. I, I looked through all my files and I. I think that woman's anger is such, such an old, old story, it's meaningless. Uh, the problem, of course, is the future, the, the fate of our species, uh, <laughs> the, the angry stuff in my pile of angry stuff. Here's Susan Faludi, her book, Backlash, The Undeclared War Against American Women. It's an amazing book, yes. Backlash by Susan Faludi. <laughs> she writes that the battle over the fetus's right to life, uh, the patriarch's eclipsed ability to make the family decisions, all this figures as a bitter subtext. Uh, she quotes from George Gilder. He wrote a book called Men and Marriage back in eighty six. <laughs> George Gilder. Have another quote from him in a Reagan essay in which he says that he does not, he, he does not believe that equality, you know, is a what is it? Is a given. Hilarious guy George Gilder. He was an uh, what do you call that? Uh, uh, an advisor. Yes, an advisor to uh, Ronald Reagan. Anyway, his book *Men and Marriage*. Quote: Yes, he in that book. He says, well, first, uh, he expressed the fear underlying much of the male anxiety about female reproductive freedom. feminist successful campaign for birth control and abortion, he writes, quote, shifts the balance of sexual power further in favor of women. And Susan goes on to say that... Uh, <laughs> He believes this depletes male patriarchal potency. He uses the word potency, Gilder does. And that it reduces the penis to, quote from George Gilder, an empty plaything. Mm, thanks. Oh, thanks, George. you really on the subject, aren't you? you? You're really on it. The issue, of course, is women's sexuality, the uh, means of reproduction. Uh, women wish to be free men. And uh, you know, you know what happens when women decide to be free. Hitler knew this when he padlocked the birth control clinics, outlawed magazine ads for contraception. He called them pornographic. And he banned all women from the Reichstag. Ah, ah. Wow, fascism, Margaret Atwood's little book, uh, The Handmaid's Tale, I had it on my table last night and I thought, oh, golly, no, no. Everyone knows, everyone's read it, it's all old stuff. The new stuff is to acknowledge that there's been a a kind of a a shift and that, uh, let's call it, oh, let's call it uh, the female... The female presence, uh, Goethe Nietzsche, they all talk about it. Uh, Goethe writes, the eternal feminine leads us on. We hope, we hope, we hope that the feminine principle is alive and well, particularly in men. It always has been. It may be growing, never mind. I just can't take any more anger. I shuffled through my papers, and I remembered way back in the day, back in the uh, 1970s, I tried to write stories and essays in which uh, I portrayed the lives of women, the fate of women, and how it was, uh, mm, let's say, muted, muted, uh, even broken, even killed uh, by patriarchal uh, thought, patriarchal behavior. Uh, I think sometimes I was a little obscure. I've written a tale here. I want to read it to you. It's about the uh, wonderful woman who took care of me when I was a child. She was a a black woman. Uh, We lived in Tucson, Arizona. Anyway, uh, I had a, a little nightmare once as a child that the men were having a game they used to like to play. Uh, Yes, they used to like play with ropes, you know, see who would fall down. Uh, Anyway, while they were playing this game, I imagined that my beloved uh, caretaker, Josie, was being uh, destroyed. Anyway, at the beginning of this essay, I wrote... uh, Uh, It's a quote from Souls of Black Folk by W.E.B. Du Bois, he writes. And who shall measure progress there where the dark-faced Josie lies? Let's date this 1939. It is written in 1977. It's called Pepper Trees. I write the smell and the shade of the pepper trees. That's the first thing to remember wide shade, dry, dry days. Spanish tiles, the heavy awnings of the hacienda, Of my mother and my father. Brown Mexicans in white shirts make brown adobe brick walls. They wash them white. The bricks are made of mud and straw packed in wooden frames. Yes, adobe bricks. From under the walls Come the horny toads, I keep them in shoeboxes. Oh, round reptiles, sandpaper soft bellies, little loose chins, and eyes without water. Their foreheads are crowned with thorns, and they can spit blood from between their eyes. Their eyes are the oldest I have ever seen, they have prehistoric, prehistoric perception. They know who I am. I take them on a shoestring leash to eat the ants on the ant hills near the pepper trees. Once I left one tied there near the ant hill all night. In the morning, She was eaten because she got that reptile chill during the night and being cold-blooded, she couldn't move much, so the ants ate her. I kept her babies in a jar. There were two of them. They were less than an inch long. They were very delicate. My friend Nathaniel and I are almost ready to go to school. I already go to a place with bars and sand and finger paints. Uh, We play drop the handkerchief and uh, (laughs) some of those other circle games, you know. But the teacher said that what I did was not the way to do it, so I didn't. Nathaniel and I kill other things, other things beside those horny toads. We kill some unborn birds with a pipe and some kittens just born because we can't keep them. Then we kill some rats, the wrong white rats. Some two fat white rats and smash them. And Nathaniel smashed them, but I helped. Once he frayed the ends of some electric wiring and he plugged the plug in the wall and he tried to electrocute the rats, but they wouldn't die. None of the grown-ups talk until the sun goes down. Then they all pour drinks and Nathaniel's mother says, She's damn glad he was born in Boston and not in this desert. My mother says, Well, anyway... I was conceived in Michigan, so I'm not really a Westerner either. My father is in Arizona because sick people come to his clinic with arthritis and asthma and tuberculosis and all the sickness people bring to a dry place. After it gets dark, everyone talks and drinks and sits in canvas hammocks or porch swings. We put on the lights over the tennis court. I give plays on the tennis court under those lights. Nathaniel is in a tiger cage, in a tiger costume, roaring and screaming and knocking the cage over, breaking it. It's the best packing crate cage I have for my stage. It ruins my play, and my mother says, "'What a hell of a hullabaloo we are always making, "'but we might as well have fun as long as we're kids. "'Always there is a pageant of me, "'costumes of Mexico with sequined snakes, "'embroidered blouses. "'I ride a burro. "'I am all done up in black and silver "'for the rodeo parade.' I am Queen Elizabeth in a farthingale. I am mustard seed. I am orphan Annie. Great many days. There are great many days. A great many plays. Our colored maid lives in the garage. She goes home to her husband, Big Sam, on weekends. Her name is Josie. My mother says... Josie takes some cosmetics and other things from my mother's dressing table, but who can blame her in her circumstances? My mother also says Josie can't have any babies. My father, who fixes everything, takes Josie to his clinic, and uh, he does some minor surgery, and... uh, uh, "'After that, Josie has all kinds of babies. "'She puts her little Sam, baby Sam, "'in the washtub in the middle of the kitchen floor "'with my blonde baby brother. "'And there's salt-and-pepper laughter from the grown-ups. "'Oh, how cute,' they say. "'They're just like my Topsy and Eva doll, "'which has two heads. "'You just shake the skirt each way.' one way to make the Picaninny and the other way to make the princess. Whenever my father builds a new room on the house, everyone has to put a footprint in the floor. Josie doesn't want to put her foot in the wet cement of the foundation of my father's house. He has to chase her round and round the yard to catch her and All the Indians and the Mexican workers watch this Irishman with the blue-black hair and the ice-blue eyes chase the tall black woman, carry her squealing and kicking to put her foot in the wet cement. Black people are like cats, he says. How they hate anything wet because they have heavy bones and lots of calcium in their bones, so they sink in the water, so they hate it. Josie put her foot in the wet cement with her nylon stocking on. Then she went back to her room in the garage. One time I had a circus in the laundry room. I left all sorts of animals there. I left a puppy in a wash tub all night with the tub boarded over and Josie found the mess in the morning and that time she lost her temper with me. I was a little afraid of her because after all, I mean, she wasn't my mother. She shouldn't get mad at me that way. There is a dream about the tiger's coming coming to get me. In the dream, my father takes his 12-gauge shotgun. He shoots them through my bedroom window. In the morning, I go outside and I tell my father about the shotgun. And he he takes me to the edge of the desert and he shows me where he buried those tigers. I visit their graves sometimes. My father hunts ducks and doves and deer. He takes me with him. I get to pull the heads off the birds after he shoots them. That way they die quick. Then I put them in the pack on his back. I always get lots of blood all over my yellow shirts. So my mother will be upset when I come home. I get hysterical she did anyway. One time a rattlesnake bit me. My father shot its head off. He cut open my leg to get the poison out and I screamed and I screamed. I kept the snake's skin. I had it. uh, I had it taxidermied, you know. I hung it on my bedroom wall with rattles preserved there forever. I made the vertebrae into bracelets. One winter my father wants a swing that swings over the house. He has to dynamite the ground to make the post holes deep enough. It's a Tarzan swing. Everyone has to try it. Oh, that same year he had to take my tonsils out himself because even the best doctor in Tucson couldn't do it right. He paints the rumple seat in the car blue for me and calls everything by my name and paints it blue. He let me ride on the running board when my mother didn't see. He builds a handball court, but it is too late because the school has started. I'm trying to be a girl, but... That is not his fault, of course. There was a time in 1939 my mother's lover came to stay with us, she told me. He got away and I never found him. One night it was the 4th of July, my father set off rockets and pinwheels and Roman candles all evening till it was dark. And it was dark, I watched and I watched the fireworks and I let my little brother hold my sparkler. I told him the story of the little match girl, (laughs) but he did not listen. I stayed up past midnight. I had to be carried to bed, and my eyes were burning with the lights of all the fireworks, and when I got into bed, I saw a great bonfire on the lawn outside my window, and there was my father, and Big Sam, and my mother's lover, and my brother, and Nathaniel, with all the other men. They were having a tug of war with a long and twisted rope. First, one man fell down, then another fell down, until finally at last, Big Sam won. He said he had to win because there was just too many babies at his house, and always more and more, and he could not stand it any more. They all went. To the garage they told Josie to give back the cosmetics and the perfume to my mother because it was her turn Josie's turn not my mother's turn not yet then they made a rope swing for Josie in the biggest pepper tree and she hung there alone The wooden beams in the ceiling of our house are all on fire, burning like logs in the fireplace. Just before that moment, they collapse into ashes. My mother and Nathaniel's mother just sit there. They just talk and talk, and smoke their cigarettes. "'I beg them to come out of the house "'and get Josie down from the biggest pepper tree "'because that is the tree that is near the ant hill "'and she will get a chill before morning. "'I tell them she's hanging there "'from the rope of the father's. (laughs) "'My mother, she's laughing. "'She's hushing me. "'She's saying, oh, yes. "'Yes, she will come and see.' She will come outside and watch my play just as soon as she finishes this drink. And that is a story written in 1977, back when I was trying to get my my uh, <laughs> my master's in creative writing. And I thought it was fun uh, to write, uh, what would you call that, uh, uh, symbolically, yes. One of the, one of my teachers said that I was in a period of post-symbolic realism when I finally began to tell the truth about what really happened. And I said, the thing is, it's impossible, just impossible, to tell the truth. Certainly not about, not about women, not about what do you call that, uh, our lives, the agonies of history. Uh, Hmm, I thought about the rope, the rope swing. I thought about it. Uh, Have you ever noticed that when men speak of power, they do usually mean something to do with clout. When women speak of power, they often mean something to do with capacity. (laughs) Anyway, back in that day, obviously the women, my mother and her friends, didn't even have the capacity to make their own choices. Uh, now, women have written pounds of essays about how hard it is to use patriarchal language to tell our stories. <laughs> yes, I, I do think that we really do mean something else when we use a word. Alicia Ostriker has written a swell book called uh, Stealing the Language, it's all about how women can change the language of poetry. (laughs) Humpty Dumpty, yes, Humpty Dumpty, in Lewis Carroll's story, Alice in Wonderland, Humpty Dumpty, he says, when I use a word, it means exactly what I want it to mean. (laughs) Alice says, can a word mean so many things? Humpty Dumpty answers, that all depends on who is master. <laughs> master. We know who the master is, the master narrative. Turn on the telly, turn, turn on the television, turn on the, the um, radio, and you will hear the language of men. Uh, occasionally you will hear a woman talking, but she is using his language. Check it out. I love to turn on the television and uh, change, change the genders of all the people speaking, talking, whatever it is they're doing. Try that and see what it's like, yes. Can you imagine a a picture of Congress with all the uh, Congress people being girls? Girls? Never mind. Uh, When I got to the bottom of my pile of... of, uh, Papers, papers, about the agonies of women. I came to my favorite glossaries. All these wonderful things about the old goddess, about the great mother's cosmic womb, about the pot of blood in the hand of Kali, about a cauldron that signifies cyclic recurrences as opposed to patriarchal views of linear time. A woman knows we just go round and round, Gertrude Stein says. The world is round. Uh, It is symbolized by a cauldron sometimes. The cauldron is opposed to the cross sometimes. A cauldron can be a witch's object of worship in pagan traditions. Ah, yes, we had the triple goddess. I love the triple goddess. I have pictures of her all over my house. She is uh, the maiden, the mother, and the crone. I am now a crone, the third of the triple goddess's three aspects. Yes, I am. Yes. Hecate, Hill, Morgan, Queen of Shades, Persephone. Uh, uh, they're all in there. Forms representing old age, death, winter, doomsday, the waning moon, all symbols of the inevitable destruction of dissolution that must precede regeneration. Ah, oh, the question is how are we going to get to that regeneration? Look around. It's the maiden and the mother. They are regeneration. I think now the crone is said to have descended from Rea Cronia, the mother of time. It was said in the Far East that true lovers of the goddess must love her ugly destroyer images as well as her beautiful ones. The crone also represents the third phase of women's lives by being post-menopausal. There you go. <laughs> her shrines are served by priestesses, Uh, In this stage of life, it was believed that women became very wise when they no longer shed the lunar (laughs) wise blood, but kept it within, yes. The crone was usually a goddess of wisdom, yes. You got your Sophia, your Minerva, your Athene, your Medusa. There's a whole bunch of them. The Greeks believed in a spiritual pollution they called miasma. Now, this is what I see creeping up on us. It's a highly contagious evil fate brought on by crimes against the mother or against the mother goddess's traditional law. Orestes, having committed the unforgivable crime of matricide, can find no one to defend him when the Furies cut him off from human contact. I hope that some of the boys make contact again soon. This has been Jennifer Stone with Stone Throw. I'll be back soon. Till then, go easy. If you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. The shadow.